0: yo fam today i'm gonna talk to you a bit about a bit about uh perspective um how the shutdown is affecting people that are in recovery or struggling with addiction um the realities of what a real uh addiction solution looks like and replacement therapy um i'm off today they a the job that I work in asked us to flex some time. So instead of working five days a week, we're working four. And, and I'm truly grateful uh, to have a job. And I'm totally down to, to work less, um, even if we do get paid uh, paid less. So there, there's a lot more people out there that are in uh, real dire situations. And, and I, I would be one of them. Um, uh, so anyway... Um, you know, a sobering moment. I, I reached out. Me and me and uh, 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 my wife Sarah were having some some struggles this past weekend. Argument and really having a hard time seeing eye to eye. And uh, I guess, truth be told, suffering some of the. The effects of being on this shutdown, being in, in much, much closer quarters, having to work, juggle the kid and the in-laws. And uh, we were just at each other's throats. So I called my buddy and um, actually I called a, a list of people, didn't get, didn't uh, get a hold of anybody, but my friend called me back and I could tell something was wrong. And, um, and he had a, a close friend of his overdose this past weekend. And, um, and what's sobering about that situation is, um, you know how this shutdown is affecting people uh, struggling with addiction and in recovery, particularly those people that are early in their in their recovery journey. And what I mean by that is, you know, when I first got clean and sober, um, I went to two meetings a day for. Multiple years. uh, I went to a meeting a day. You know, let's just call it five to seven meetings a week for five years. Um, And and I was, and I'm a, I'm a, I'm pretty outgoing. I'm a people person, but I needed that high touch uh, thing to do, and and it, it, it early, well, within the first year, it transitioned from being something that I had to do to something I wanted to do. But you know, you look at uh, at these people that are early in recovery that rely so heavily on this community and and the importance of being seen by people is not only seeing people, so me being able to see you and, and others, but um, you know, the, there's a joke around the rooms that, uh, you know, our butts can be on fire, and we walk into a meet and they go, How's it going? and and we go, Oh, everything's great. <laughs> uh, the value of, of being attached to these communities is they can see it in your eyes and they know us, we know them, and they go, You're not fooling anybody, what's really going on, and and um, are able to help pull out whatever that situation, you know, is. Um, and that's the, that's the value. I think people underestimate the reality of what, um, the reality of what a real, uh, what it really takes to recover from the disease of addiction. And, and, um, what I mean by that is I'm a huge fan of Dr. Drew. Um, I'm, um, I've been, going down these holes, uh, these rabbit holes of like replacement therapies. Like, uh, one of the friends that I listen to, she's got a great podcast called the addictionary podcast. She's doing her doctorate right now. She's writing, um, she's doing a study on how marijuana can be a good replacement for opiates. Um, you know, methadone has been around for a long time. Suboxone, sublicade, Vivitrol, you know, these are all replacement therapies. And I, I, Although I do agree that if – would I rather someone smoking weed every day than doing uh, heroin or opiates? Absolutely. Um, you know, the friend that that passed away um, recently, that's one of the big – one of the telltale signs or one of the things that makes people at a higher risk of overdosing is – they struggle, they get clean for a while, they relapse, and in the relapse, their tolerance has gone down and they end up overdosing or they end up getting a hold of something hot and because they've been out the game for a bit, you know, they, they, their body doesn't react as well. And in those situations, if someone is on a Suboxone or some other, you know, um, uh, opiate blocker, they are 100% in a safer situation the thing that i'm that doesn't sit right for with me and i'm still in the process of trying to articulate this is how hard the medical community is going in on this replacement therapy, um, and and how a lot of times people, particularly in the therapy community and the hospital community, you know they're they're promoting this as like the you know this big major solution, and you know you talked to some of the the uh, the Suboxone clinics and stuff like that, and these are these are doctors that you know are passionate and had um uh you know have a have a uh, you know a passion to help these people, but going and getting a replacement therapy, whatever that is, and going to counseling once a week is not enough if you really want to make an impact on someone's addiction. And it really reminds me of our Western medicine culture, um, where, you know, doctors will go through, you know, uh, a total of eight years, sometimes even 12 years of medical school, and they'll do one semester, they'll do six weeks on nutrition. And, you know, how many people out there are having health issues that if they would <clears throat> start with nutrition, very it's very possible that they could change their their lifestyle and change their health with with nutrition. But not only do a lot of people aren't you know not want to do that, but the medical community goes, oh yeah, here just take this pill, just take this pill. Oh yeah, you need to walk, look at your you know diet and whatnot, but here take this pill and you're going to be fine. And that is just so. Um, I saw a documentary recently called fat and this, uh, um, this guy took his kid, his kid had type one diabetes. They thought he had autism, all this kind of stuff. And, um, the doctors were saying, oh yeah, well now you just take this insulin and these pills and, and the kid's going to be fine. And he's like, well, the dad's just curiously asking, um, well, you know, if he's got a sugar issue and, and that affects him, shouldn't shouldn't we look at like maybe cutting down the sugar or the carbs? And he's like, no, just take this, you know, take this, uh, um, you know, this insulin and, and and pills, and you'll be fine. And he just happened to stumble upon a, a book about how um, uh, ketosis and a ketogenic diet can possibly help with with type one diabetes. And he put the kid on a ketogenic diet, and everything flipped for him. Um, and he no longer struggled with the, the issues that he was having. And, and, um, and the reason I say the reason it, 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 again, I'm still working on the articulation of it, but it's like, if someone has type, let's just say type two diabetes, cause there's an argument for type one, people have no choice, etc But, um, well, let's just th- throw them both in that. The solution to diabetes, yes, they talk about diet, but the, the biggest deal is you're going to take insulin for the rest of your life. When in reality, just like drug addiction is, if you tell that person that has diabetes, like you got to change one thing and that one thing is everything. You can't eat the same things. You have to totally change your diet. We have to cut out all the carbs and sugar. We have to, you can't hang around those people anymore. You can't go to the barbecues anymore. You, can't, you got to change everything it's just like drug addiction. They're, they're, they're one in the same. And I think that people underestimate the, the realities of what it takes to really recover. Um, one of my, my favorite studies, and I'm going to, uh, I cannot I can't ever get her name right. It's not Melinda Moore. I know it's not that Melina Moore. Um, I'll look it up, but she has more, uh, she owns a company called More Counseling, I think, in meditation up in Cleveland. Um, she's the the current president of the of the Ohio uh, Counselors Association. Uh, Martina, maybe it's Martina, but she uh, got a grant for $4 million um, to uh, roll out this uh, suboxone replacement, drug replacement therapy, et cetera. And she had a 75% success rate in her study. That is absolutely unheard of. The the 75% success for people that are in her IOP and treatment program stayed sober for a certain period of time. And the reason for that was they went to groups which were three hours a, a, at a time three hours a day for four to five days a week. They went to 12 step meetings they each had a case manager case manager helps them with appointments and and you know whatever stuff they need they got eyes on that person meaning face to face contact seven days a week They also had a paid recovery coach that got eyes face to face manager manager um, face-to-face meeting with that, uh, with that person seven days a week. And, um, and they also had uh, replacement therapy, like a Suboxone and people still struggled. But the only reason that she was able to put that many bodies on one person is because she had $4 million, uh, to spend in a grand. Now, Dr. Drew makes a really great point about this is he's like, if, if, if we were to medically prescribe um, what it would take to help a, dr- a true drug addict alcoholic, it would cost five hundred thousand to a million dollars. The the amount to, to have to come in and see a doctor every day, to have a recovery coach, to have the pills and the meetings, and to to actually make insurance or someone to pay out of pocket for all that would be astronomical. But uh, he's a big fan of twelve step, as I am because I'm quite biased, because that's where I got it. But If you think in terms of as we move forward with the medical community and the medical solutions um, to to not pay attention to and utilize the support groups out there that are not only able to get face to face with people, but they're willing to get face to face with people, um, you know, a sponsorship. Call me every day. That's what my sponsor did. Call me every day. Read recovery literature every day. Go to a meeting a day. Go to two meetings a day. They're not only able to, but they're willing and it helps them and it's free. And so, you know, I think that uh, it just pains me that there isn't a better solution uh, that is that is um, uh, that people agree on that include this high, high touch, high level commitment with people that are struggling with the disease of addiction and. Um, and, you know, um, you know, when I'm thinking about one of the things that, that again, I agree with harm reduction. Uh, I think if, if someone has a lower chance of overdosing they that uh, on a substance than, than off, I think it's a, a, a win. But when we're talking about real recovery and real solutions, one thing that doesn't sit right with me um, is – you know, when you're, when you're addicted to a substance and you replace that substance with something else, you're technically just putting a Band-Aid on it. Um, you're not really getting into the real deep-rooted situation. Now, would I rather someone... Get on replacement therapy, be required to go to once a week counseling and hope two, three, four, five, six years down the road that they get sick and tired enough to maybe like really look at, you know, getting total abstinence. Yes. Um, I, I mean, it, that is a win, but to promote that is like the solution, you know, to, <clears throat> excuse me, to get, um, you know, that the, uh, that the medical community prescribes to is, hey, yeah, someone's on a, uh, you know, someone's on on an opiate or you know, alcohol, whatever. Here, give them this replacement and they're done. I, I think it's just so uh, short-sighted. It's just uh, that that's why the um, the 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 diet and, and the diabetes uh, argument. It just it it is so freaking similar that um, that we. Our knee-jerk reaction is to go to some sort of scientific chemical concoction to replace and to fix something that is a mental disorder, a spiritual disorder, a, a body disorder, an emotional disorder. You know, all these things wrapped into one, and we think some a pill and some counseling is gonna is gonna fix it. Might for some, but but um, I think it's just it just needs to be so much more involved than that. Um, you know, the other thing that I've been seeing a a bunch of write-ups about because of the COVID shutdown and, and the, you know, fear of spreading, uh, the disease, they're sending people home with massive amounts of methadone and Suboxone. Well, number one, you can get high on, on methadone. Uh, let's be clear. You can OD on methadone. Um, but methadone and Suboxone is worth a lot of money. Uh, Someone got robbed for $400 worth of, of methadone as they were going home from the clinic, um, you know, you can sell suboxone for 15 to $40 a pill. Um, you know, so if you need to pay your rent, sell some of your suboxone and, uh, you can pay your rent. And so it's just so complicated, not to mention the fact that really gets my goat. Um, this was a a friend of ours who was uh her boyfriend was on suboxone and she was talking about how you know her husband her boyfriend was doing so well and he's been on suboxone for all these years and it's you know he's in recovery that she would say he's in recovery which fair enough we didn't argue with or whatever but they would they were down in DC they lived in New York he's he forgot his suboxone they had to leave their vacation early so he could go back home and get his suboxone that to me is not recovery that to me is not a life um of freedom it's a bridge, but it's not a life of freedom. If I can't go on a two-week vacation without having to go back to the clinic or without having to, to have this substance, you know, I, I got more work to do. Um, and it, it's, just a, it's just such a complicated topic because as much as I can get on a high horse about this, uh, you know, ideal perspective idealistic perspective there's plenty of people that would that they're going to be on suboxone or methadone for the rest of their life they're going to smoke weed for the rest of their life um you know it's uh uh and be totally fine touche fair enough i actually there was actually two situations where i um uh, there were people that were, uh, actually one in particular that had been sober for a very long time. And, uh, he'd been, so all our friends were like, Oh, he's been sober for 25 years, blah, blah, blah. I got sober and I couldn't wait to talk to him. I'm like, Hey man, I've been sober, blah, 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 blah. He cut me off after about four minutes and goes, you know what? Uh, I know everybody says I'm sober, but I've been smoking weed for 25 years. He's like, you know, I just, I just quit drinking alcohol cause alcohol was my problem. And I was, I remember just being so heartbroken That when I thought people said they were sober or when they said that they were, um, you know, free from alcohol or whatever, I thought that meant everything. But so many people do just replace that problem substance. And some of them do it successfully. They replace the problem problem uh, substance with something else. And and everybody, you know, uh, which is a good thing. But in in the traditional definition of being clean and sober and in recovery if you're on a if you're on a uh a substance like marijuana or alcohol or you know any other you know drugs uh the replacement therapies are are a tricky one i would probably make the argument that if you're on suboxone but you're doing everything else I, i would and and you felt comfortable uh um you know, and that was your clean and that was your baseline, I would say, hey, touche. Uh, um, but uh, but anyways, it's just, you know, when I get into these topics and I read these stories and I see stuff on Facebook, it there you see it quite often as people go, oh, I'm, you know, 90 days free from from opiates or I'm, you know, two years clean of alcohol. You know, a lot of people um, that which is good, but a lot of people aren't totally abstinent from all substances, and um, I think that if someone struggled with the disease of addiction, at some point, we got to address the root issues, and I think the ideal is let's get you to a place where you're free from all substances. The other thing I quite think about as I'm articulating, you know, I got a couple talks I'm working on, et cetera, is... Um, you know, the difference between having a drinking problem and being an alcoholic or being a heavy drinker or, or, or substance dependent and being a drug addict and alcoholic. And, um, you know, it's it's one of those things where if drugs or alcohol is causing a problem in any area of your life, then that means that you have a drug and alcohol problem. Um, and ideally speaking, once you really, really get back to it, if you want to really take a deep look in the mirror at what is going on and what's going on in your life is, what is it within you that feels as if you need a mind or mood altering substance to feel okay? Like what, what wouldn't the ideal be? Let me get to a place where I can feel happy, joyous and free without any substances in my body. Um, That could also be safe for said for numbing, you know, through, watching TV or being on social media or working out or whatever, but you know, we all have some sort of dependence on something, but, but I always beg the question, particularly for those that have had issues in their family in their social life at work with drugs and alcohol, that why are you so insistent that you need a substance and, and why not move in the direction of getting rid of all substances? It's a, um, you know, it, again, going back to the ideal, because who the hell wants to hear, you know, I want to, ch- you got to change one thing and that's everything, whether it's with my diet or for my health or for my drug and alcohol use, it's just absolutely bonkers. It's absolutely insane. Um, um, anyway, man, I, I, am I've been out the, uh, out the, um, uh, the game for a minute. Uh, this, this shutdown has got me doing more work from home than I imagined. And a lot of my Podcast where while I was on the road talking, I hopped up on coffee and I just hadn't been able to, I just hadn't made it a priority. So I miss you guys. I'd love to hear from you. If you got any questions or concerns, holler at your boy. Um, and uh, I'll check in with you soon.